0: And now, live, it's time. will go back into the gun. Jacobs cuts middle, walks in. Jackpot, baby. Josh Jacobs, touchdown. It's time for the JT The Brick Show. We have a good team. We have a good team that competes with uh, Seth all the time. On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. We don't feel like effort's been
1: an issue at
0: all. Gets the handoff, busts toward the end. Jackpot, baby. Pinion drink. Takes it home. Here's your host, JT The Brick.
2: Thanks for coming back, everybody. JT, hour number two of the show as we get rolling here. Brought to you by Grimaldi's, best pizza I ever had. Five locations here in the Valley. Home of the $50 Grimaldi gift card. Pick it up. Get one for a friend. Get it to li- for listening to this show and get it for takeout. They are efficient a- right at the front of the pizzeria. They have takeout ready to go. Order ahead. The gift card. Slap it down. In and out. Great tip because they deserve everything. They're so great at what they do. Grimaldi's best pizza I ever had. Lot to get through this hour. Nice surprise. Warren Moon texted back. He's going to join us in 15 minutes. The Hall of Famer. They talked about Mahomes versus Josh Allen playing at a level we've never seen before. No, no, no. Warren Moon played at that level. Warren Moon played his entire career and had to wait too long to start it in the NFL, playing that fast at quarterback, getting the ball out, attacking the end zone, one of the all-time greats. And he's got an event coming up here in Vegas, which we're going to tell you about in a little bit. Chris Myers, also from the NFL on Fox. I wanted to begin this hour talking about the two-year anniversary, the death of Kobe Bryant. You remember where you were and what that day was like. It had a big effect on everybody in sports everybody around the world. It was a dark day. And here's Derek Carr talking about the influence that Kobe had on his career on and off the field.
0: I just watched everything, and it, he meant so much to me. And then when I got to know him, I got to talk to him. Then he followed me on Twitter. That blew my mind. You know, that, that, that was the day of my life, you know, uh, you know, so to speak. But just getting to know him and talk to him and have conversation with him, just, just what he meant to me as, a, as an athlete, uh, the Mamba mentality is uh, trying to be your, your the best version of yourself every day, and I have a big old poster in my in my office or in my weight room now, uh, with with that Mamba mentality mantra on it, and it's just a way that I could honor him, and so I wear it all year, and uh, and and for the only reason to to honor him and and just what he meant to me just as a kid growing up.
2: That's so genuine. Carr's hero is a sports star. A lot of great athletes internationally around the world, global soccer players, obviously college basketball players and icons in sports, but Kobe with his daughter Gianna and the others killed in that helicopter crash. And two years ago, and I remember it because I'm in a Laker household. I'm a Nick fan. My wife, my son, my oldest son, who's a junior in college, grew up, and I said, I think the first words he said, other than mom and dad were Kobe. We remember kids, Looney, who's my podcast partner, would laugh about it. He'd come running into a room, and they'd just talk about Kobe. I'm talking about when my kid was two, three, four years old, just learning to talk as a toddler running around with a Nerf hoop in our home in L.A. and playing and sitting down and shooting Nerfs with him as I'm sitting down, and he's running around trying to dunk and saying, Kobe. So when that happened, you know, my son being home from college, that was a tough day around my home. There there were broken hearts, broken hearts at that time and bobby told me to share this for any of our new listeners who might not have followed this my son surprised me in a in a way that i couldn't imagine he called in he's never called in he's never called in since he doesn't need to ever call in that's not our relationship but he decided to call in because the loss of kobe hit him so hard john start us off uh thanks for calling appreciate it go ahead
0: Um, hello. Um, this is not how I think I'd make my first call to the show after a while. Um, this is still probably one of the hardest days of my life for Kobe. And I just want everybody to say thanks to Kobe. I want him to be remembered for Kobe, not compared to anybody else. And I want to say, um, I love you, dad. I love you, mom. I love you, Jason. And I can't wait to see you guys soon.
1: Okay. Thank
2: you. That's my son. I didn't know he was uh, calling in. So eight 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 six two three three six four six. So I didn't uh, expect that to happen. That was my son calling in from college. And uh, as I mentioned, as I opened up the show, pretty heavy day for my wife and all all Laker fans and everybody who cares about Kobe Bryant and just cares about. You know, his legacy and his family and obviously his daughter that passed away. So that was two years ago tonight when that happened. And Bobby wanted to play that. And it brought back memories of my son. And he's two years older. That was his freshman year. Now he's a junior. And the Kobe poster is right in his room. I could walk away and come right back here in less than 10 seconds and look at Kobe in my home. And two years ago passing away, there was a Rebel game that day. And my buddy Jimmy Gallo, great friend in town famed attorney he came over that day we were going he was taking me to the rebel game and again my house was broken up and we decided to go and go down there and sit and walk in with fans who didn't even know about it at that point most people knew and then there was an announcement at the game and some people yelled out in shock because they heard it for the first time but then going on sports radio and talking about that for weeks upon weeks really heavy so Kobe, rest in peace, his daughter Gianna, everybody involved in that horrible accident and the impact that he has on you today. If you're a diehard Laker fan, the way I was a die, I'm a diehard Yankee fan when Thurman Munson died in the plane crash, stays with me to this day. And for all Laker fans, Kobe will never go away. And his legacy will get bigger and bigger and bigger now that he's gone because we'll remember the greatness and talk about him and compare him to every other player that comes after him. And he's probably going to be better than all of them. Or, or most of them, he was brilliant. Miss Kobe Bryant a lot. Alan in Vegas, you're up next on the Raider flagship. Hello, Alan.
0: Hey, JT. Uh, you took me back with that call. Uh, the first time I called you on the national show was when Kobe passed away, and I shared my sense, uh, my sentiments. Uh, what a memory. Um, was first with Barry Bond. H Park does not get built without him, and Kansas City. Oh, JT, I, I hate the Chiefs. I can I can watch the Chargers, not so much the Broncos, but I hate the Chiefs. I was at South Point on Sunday when Josh Allen made those uh, yeah. he converted those two big four downs and then
1: scored the touchdown.
0: I was jumping up and down. People thought I had bets. I go, no, I, I'm just rooting for the Bills because I hate yeah. the Chiefs. When they came back, I was so devastated. So um, I might buy a Joe Burrow jersey. I'll be wearing it this Sunday. I hope the Bengals win,
2: but if not, I hope anybody else. Yeah, appreciate it. I think we'll get that a lot from a lot of Raider fans. They want anybody, anything but the Chiefs, winning another Super Bowl to have their third and to be right there with two recent ones. If they could be stopped in Raider Nation, it's a good thing. Just like I said earlier, and you're going to hear me talk about this for a while, just the way that Aaron Rodgers has to be stopped from deciding to go to Denver. That is a nightmare scenario for the new GM of the Raiders, the coaching staff, whatever it's going to be, to see Aaron Rodgers twice a year coming off maybe back-to-back MVPs, he's going to be great. He's not going to be good. He's going to be great if he ends up in Denver. So you can't see that. I call that the radio game a blockade. you got to block that move. Do you have to block that move by getting Aaron Rodgers to Vegas? No, but it's a discussion that people are going to have around the league, but you got to stop him from going to Denver. So you got to hope New Orleans could go get him. But Sean Payton's gone, and I'll get to Sean Payton in a moment. You've got to hope that Aaron Rodgers goes where if he doesn't stay in Green Bay. I don't think he's going to stay in Green Bay. If I'm wrong, you'll know where to find me. I don't think he'll go. I think he wants that adventure of leaving because he can't beat Jimmy Garoppolo. He can't beat Jimmy G in Santa Clara. He can't beat him in the snow at Lambeau coming off a of bye week. So he's going to want to do it somewhere else. I would hope that he would consider going to Minnesota if they moved on from Cousins or if he ended up going to the Giants or the Washington football team, whenever they renamed that team, that'd be a good place to go. But I doubt he'll go there because he can't win there. Those are almost total rebuilds, and the best fit could be Miami. I think you'll hear about Tennessee. Tennessee would love to get out of the Tannehill business. They're not going to win a championship with him. Aaron Rodgers would be an upgrade. But Miami, as they were the front runner to get Deshaun Watson, If they can't get him, if he doesn't clear his name, Aaron Rodgers is better. And you can get him in Miami for a couple of years and try to go win there. That's a good roster. It reminds me of a roster like Denver. I think the Raiders roster is a little bit better. But a roster around 8, 9, 10 wins where he can go and get him to 12 and try to get him into the postseason where he will end up. The Sean Payton story uh, coming up. Warren Moon's going to join us in a few minutes. I wanted you to hear from Sean Payton from yesterday. The press conference was live when we were on the air. And I went back and watched it on NFL Network, and it was really good. I I don't know much about him. It's a TV guy, but I thought he was very good in the press conference, which leads me to believe he could probably be really good on TV. He began by not knowing exactly what's next.
0: He's got some options. Honestly, as I sit here today, I don't know what's next. I've read the reports, and I understand – I've not spoken to anyone from a media outlet relative to doing television or radio. Maybe, maybe that opportunity arises, but every time I read something that says Look, he's in line for this job, I, I, I'll call my agent, Don, and I'll say, Don, did you hear something? Because I have not heard anything, and that's okay. I think I'd like to do that. I think I'd be pretty good at it.
2: I think he needs to get away because it's dramatic and a lot of stress. He's got a bad salary cap team. He doesn't have a quarterback. He's he's on a not. It's a non-playoff team now. It's a good time to step away. But the conversation then becomes about coming back after he steps away. If he's really good on television, he's not going to quit television after a year if he's really good at it. But maybe this cowboy job or running another team might intrigue
0: him. I still have a vision for for doing things in football, and and, and I'll be honest with you, that might be coaching again. At some point, I don't think it's this year. I think maybe in the future, but that's not where my heart is right now. It's not at all.
2: Yeah, his heart isn't there, but it could change quickly. What I, what a lot of conspiracy theorists think is that this is a great time for Peyton to tell everybody this is the only way he could tell New Orleans he wants out, because he's under contract. So he agreed to a contract making a lot of money to be their coach. So he'd be breaking the contract. So by not breaking it technically – He leaves, quits, retires, but leaves, takes a break, and then says he's going into TV, but then Jerry Jones sits back and goes, wow, you do that for me? You'd do that for me and and, and step away from that team so I could go trade for you? Maybe he did that for Jerry. Maybe for Jerry he steps aside and goes, look, I'm here. I'm ready to take over the Cowboys at least a year from now, if not earlier. And as a couple of people have told me around football, this is the one coach you trade for. If you have an opportunity to trade for a coach, you trade for Sean Payton. Because he's really good with personnel. He understands offense better than anybody. He knows how to command a room. He works well with ownership and a partner. But you would give him a little bit more power because he can control all sides of the building. He's one of the few coaches currently in the NFL that you would go out and trade for. So this is the first step for him to make himself available and not go back to New Orleans. But as we talked about with Andrew Brandt earlier in the show, he still got a trade for him. Gruden demanded two first-rounders. Al Davis made that move. When you look at what they got back in return, two first-rounders is outstanding, but Gruden ended up winning the Super Bowl. So that paid off for the Glazer family. And Jerry's got all the money in the world, and he has the draft picks, and he's got a pretty good roster. To go out, I mean, automatically next year the Dallas Cowboys are going to win 10 or 11 games. The Giants aren't getting that much better. Washington and the Eagles are a very flawed team as they're going through with their young quarterback. So Dak coming back healthy with all the weapons that they have, especially the receivers, you slide Sean Payton into Dallas, they're right back winning the division, which guarantees them a home game. And then Sean Payton wins that home game instead of Dak losing it without him. And Sean Payton's one game away from the NFC Championship in year one working for the guy that he always expected to work for again, not as an assistant or a coordinator, Jerry Jones. And Jerry's not getting any younger, and his teams continue to underachieve in Dallas. I mean, did you ever think we'd be going this long talking about how long it takes for Dallas to win another Super Bowl after Jimmy Johnson's two, after Jerry bought the team and Barry Switzer getting one? You thought they'd have at least one or two by now. With all that money, that stadium, America's team, they're on a massive drought. And then that brings me to the drought of the Bills and how they lost their game. That's a drought, and and that hurts even more so now because those Bills fans have been through a lot. Warren Moon, great friend to the show, friend in life, one of the greatest football players of all time. And always in Vegas, in L.A., And traveling around Canton, Ohio, doing the best for the NFL. He's kind enough to join us. Warren, thanks for doing this. I hope you're having a good year. How are you? Warren, JT, you there? All right, Bobby, we'll get him back on that. I love when I do those long intros on how great great of a friend and how great of a player he was. I want him to be there on the other end. We'll get Warren Moon up here momentarily. He's having a nice event here in town at a place that I love to frequent and we will tell you about at Resorts World. 702-365-9200. Here he is, the great Warren Moon. Warren, thanks for doing this. I hope you're having a good New Year. How are you?
1: I am having a great New Year so far. It's been busy, but good. How are you doing, JT?
2: Couldn't be better, Warren. Before we get to your event and what you're doing, walk me through the last two, three minutes of the Bills' loss at Kansas City and as one of the great quarterbacks of all time. What was going through your mind?
1: Well, it's kind of a mixed emotions. I think everybody in the crowd was the same way because that game just kept going back and forth. It would be the Chiefs ahead. Then all of a sudden the Bills would answer. Then all of a sudden the Chiefs would answer. Then the Bills answered again with 13 seconds left. And I think at that point there was so many people that were getting up ready to leave and myself included thinking that the game was over because uh, with 13 seconds left, are you going to be able to go the length of the field and, and kick a field goal? And, lo and behold, they were able to do it, and, uh, and the game just kept going. So uh, it was a great game. It was a lot of emotions in that stadium, a lot of emotions, I'm sure, on the football field. But one of the great endings in uh, professional football by two outstanding young quarterbacks.
2: Yeah, one of the greatest quarterback performances of all time, and you were involved with Manny And Warren, back to your career where you could get the ball out so quickly, Read defenses fast and had the big arm if you had to set up a Hail Mary to win a game or do something at the end of the half. What did you think when no one was covering Tyreek Hill and he was getting a free release and then Kelsey right after that got a free release and turned around and he's 12, 13 yards downfield before he has to go down. Where was the defense from Buffalo?
1: Yeah, I think it was just bad situational football right there because they were kind of guarding against anything completed to the outside so they couldn't get out of bounds to stop the clock. But they didn't understand or should have understood that Kansas City still had two timeouts left, and they could still stop the clock so they could complete anything they wanted in the middle of the field. So when they saw that open area, they just took advantage of it. So I just thought it was really smart alert play by by the Chiefs, but also very dumb play by... Uh, the B- Buffalo Bills, who have a great um, uh, defensive coordinator in Leslie mm-hmm. Frazier, and also a great defensive-minded head coach in 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 uh, McDermott. McDermott. So I, yeah. I just didn't understand why why they didn't get that done, but they didn't, and that's probably why they lost the foot or, or got the football game tied.
2: Hall of Famer Warren Moon. Warren, before we get out of that play one last time, it used to be, hey, if you left Brady. You know, 50 seconds, be careful. If you left Warren Moon, 45 seconds a minute, they could come back and haunt you. All quarterbacks and great ones and Hall of Famers know that feeling. But now that we say 13 seconds, I think we can only say it because of the breakdown on defense. Because one of those passes with that much time left is going to have to be 35, 40 yards. Something dramatic. And by checking down or going underneath and doing it, and then these all these kickers, one I think you agree, could make any kick over 50, 55 yards, it changes the way. I think we look at football in that two-minute drill the rest of our lives.
1: Yeah, it really does. And, um, you know, these guys have to understand what the situations are in the football right. game as they go forward in order to uh, to win these types of games because you have two of the, like I said, great young quarterbacks in this game who not only have great physical ability, but, but they're, uh, they're alpha dogs. They're guys that uh, have great will to win, and they're just not going to give up. And uh, when you have that type of uh, intangible inside of you to go along with the athleticism, you're never out of a football game. So that, that's kind of the uh, – I think that's how that whole game was kind of wrapped up in your mind is that you just saw two of the great football players that are going to be around this league for a long time to come.
2: Warren moon joins is Hall of Famer. When Brady was down 27-3, did you think he'd come back? Did you think the Rams would be better holding that lead? And then when the ball went back to the Rams with the game on the line, Cooper Cup got deep, Warren, and Stafford made that throw. How impressed are you with that Rams win at Tampa Bay?
1: You know, it was very sloppy play by the Rams. The Rams should have won that game going away. And if they don't mm-hmm. turn the football over, what once before the half, where it could have been, you know, twenty, it could have been thirty-four to, or what was it, twenty-seven to three at the time? Yeah,
2: twenty-seven-three.
1: Yeah, and then when they turn it over at their own, at, at the uh, Tampa Bay one going in to score, then they turn it over again. Cooper Cup turns it over, and then all of a sudden another fumble by the running back Acres. And then, the, and then the snap that uh, goes over the uh, the head of, of uh, Stafford. So they had so many different opportunities to let Tampa Bay back into the game. I didn't think Brady would have a chance because of the, the amount of pressure that they were putting on him, but they kept giving him that many more opportunities. And you keep giving Tom Brady those many opportunities, he's going to eventually bring his team back, and he did. But uh, Stafford making that huge throw on an all-out blitz that didn't get communicated – by the uh, Tampa Bay defense, so they didn't have an all-out blitz, even though that's what it was called, and had left Cooper Cup on a safety, and he, he blew white past him, and Stafford was alert enough to see that he was uh, one-on-one with a safety, and he threw it up there and made the big completion. So it was, it was a heads-up play by Stafford, but a, a a blown assignment by a couple of linebackers on Tampa Bay because they didn't have the all-out blitz. There should have been more pressure in his face.
2: Warren Moon, the Hall of Famer, as we wrap it up. So I know your schedule's filling up for Super Bowl because you're always out west and your connections in L.A. and it being at SoFi. But let's talk about Vegas 8, the Cigar Lounge, which is one of my new favorite places. You know how many years I've lived here. I've been to a lot of cool spots. I love Resorts World. I love the concept of that Cigar Lounge. And I know you're going to be doing events coming up and especially going forward there.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm going to do an after party there after a dinner that I'm having um uh, on Thursday night, February 3rd at Larry's uh Prime Rib uh Prime Rib restaurant and uh, it's a fundraiser that's going to benefit the uh United Way of Southern uh, Nevada. So we're we're really looking forward to raising a lot of money for them and uh it's I've been doing a dinner at the Pro Bowl for for many many years, especially when it was over in Hawaii. Uh, I was fortunate enough to play in nine of them myself, so I would have a fundraiser for my foundation while I was over there, and then we continued after I, I retired, but now we're starting it up again here in Vegas, and uh, we're off to a great start, and I think it's going to be a really fun night. Uh, we're going to have you know, a lot of uh, pro, pro Bowl players there. We're going to have a lot of uh, Hall of Fame players there, as well as former players in the NFL. We're going to have a, a live and a silent auction. We're going to have a great uh, prime rib and and lobster dinner that night as well. And we'll have a magician there, entertainment. Wow. So it's going to be a really fun evening uh, for people that come and, uh, and want to just have a, a good night of eating really good food and also uh, talk, telling a lot of football stories. I
2: look forward to being there. Hey, one last thing on the Pro Bowl. I smiled when you said that. The Pro Bowl in Hawaii was your wheelhouse, right? way, yes, you know, was. they move it out of it. People are looking <laughs> at the concept of how competitive it is. Your wheelhouse, how many stories and great memories, oh, your goodness. family, your kids, your friends, have you had in your life in Hawaii?
1: I uh, I spent about, I don't know, <laughs> 20, 23 years going over there, you know, every year for either wow. being in the Pro Bowl or, or putting on this dinner just being part of the NFL and You know, what a great part of the country uh, over on those islands. Uh, Those people love professional football. They loved when we come over there because we only do it once a year. And uh, it's just paradise, first of all. It's paradise, and they're very giving. So uh, it was a great place to put on fundraisers as well.
2: Thanks, Warren. I'll see you at your event. We'll be talking to you. I'll reach out before the Super Bowl and when I'm in L.A. Thanks for doing this.
1: All right. Thanks a lot, J.T. Take care. You got it.
2: You got it, Warren Moon, one of the greatest of all time. And I'm so happy we got him on right after the Josh Allen and Mahomes game because that was a game where you have to respect your elders and who came before you, and Warren Moon's that guy. Jim Kelly, with the Kelly offense and what he was able to do, you look at some of the greatest quarterbacks. Dan Marino could score faster than anybody maybe ever. You give Marino the ball, he had the rifle to go quickly downfield. Elway extending the play. And they all look to Warren Moon because Moon played up-tempo his entire career. So even though there were a few dramatic losses, there were so many big wins with him attacking the end zone and going up-tempo, no huddle, and making plays and, and standing in the pocket and moving the pocket. And what we watched with Josh Allen and Mahomes was at that level. Maybe surpassed it. He could surpass it. And that means we're living in one hell of a time in football history if quarterbacks are making plays like that. No disrespect to Roger Staubach, Tarkenton. Those were the wizards back then who could pivot and turn and get out of a jam along with Warren Moon. But now it seems like eight or nine of these guys are doing it. Ten of them are doing it. Herbert, Burrow, when Carr breaks out, makes a big play on the run. And then you look at the rankings of those who do it the best. Where will we be 10 years from now talking about Josh Allen? How much better is he going to get? And Mahomes could be in the conversation only with Tom Brady as the greatest of all time when it comes to the numbers. He's going to put up numbers the way LeBron is trying to track down Kareem on the all-time scoring list and is going to get him. I think Brady is going to have the most Super Bowls by far at seven. I don't think Mahomes, I hope Mahomes doesn't get another one quickly. Raider Nation isn't in support of that. But... He's going to put up Brady numbers and maybe surpass Breeze and Brady at this pace and Favre and Rodgers. And he's playing great now and he's advanced. What a quarterback weekend. And let's not forget Matthew Stafford, who's had a very good career on one of the worst teams of all time, worst franchises of all time. And he's getting his shot and he's hosting the NFC Championship game with an opportunity to be the host team in the Super Bowl. He's pretty close Now, we can start talking about that, or will Jimmy G take him out? Chris Myers from the NFL on Fox, and your calls, 702-365-9200. Get in now.
0: There were a ton of people tuning in, rooting against us for one reason and one reason only. It's because of you know my vaccination status and them wanting to see us lose so they could pile on and enjoy and revel in the fact that uh, you know my vaccination status was you know some sort of reason why we haven't had success in the playoffs or whatever it might be. Some sort of correlation.
2: Wow. Comparing your vaccination status on why you believe people might not like you, might hate you, and want to pile on. As Andrew Brand said in the first hour, everybody, Aaron Rodgers has been talking a lot. He's very unique with the time he has and he can spend on radio and all these press conferences, but I give him credit for that. I don't agree with everything he said, but will he be available or not? Big topic we're talking about before we get to Chris Myers as Bobby is getting him up here. Very interesting stat that I froze on my TV in my home studio. The last th- uh, six games between the Niners and the Rams, Niners 6-0. and Niners 26.5 points per game to the Rams 18. 18 even to 26.5 advantage Niners. Time of possession, a stat I all think we respect in football. 49ers, 34 minutes, 55 seconds. Rams, 25 minutes and four seconds. And then the big one that shows physicality, yards after contact, the Niners, 664 yards, the Rams, 322. They've won six in a row, and they've annihilated them on the stat sheet. I mean, you can see a couple of these games, maybe it's dead even. No, the Niners are putting up historical numbers in a one-sided rivalry, and we're all supposed to believe that the Rams can flip it and stop this streak before it goes 7-0. and What a job Kyle Shanahan's been doing, considering Sean McVay, their friends, they started around the same time. You know, McVay underneath him going up the chain here, but you know, McVay could be in the Super Bowl again after one more win. This is a real rivalry. The NFL, NFC West should be happy that they have the Seahawks and the whole run of Russell Wilson, Marshawn Lynch, the Legion of Boom, and Pete Carroll. In that division, Arizona's got Kyler Murray, obviously up-and-comer, and and then this rivalry. Man, have the Niners dominated it. Chris Myers from the NFL on Fox, great friend of the show, kind enough to join us. And, Chris, we were uh, just talking about Aaron Rodgers before you came on. Were you more surprised that the Niners won or shocked that Aaron Rodgers didn't play well at home coming off a bye
0: week? I wasn't surprised that the 49ers won in Green Bay. I I was disappointed. I just expected more from Aaron Rodgers. He's a Hall of Fame quarterback. He's an MVP-style quarterback. I'm not putting it all on him, but they didn't do enough offensively. He didn't do enough. In the past, you could have argued Green Bay's defense wasn't good enough when the 49ers ran all over him in a in a championship game or even the previous year when, when Tom Brady went to Green Bay and beat Aaron Rodgers. He had a moment there. He could have done something special late in the game. Remember running, getting closer to a goal line, maybe a, a touchdown where they settled for a field goal. So, uh, yeah, he didn't do his part, enough of of his part. Uh, obviously, it's a it's a team game. So I, I think that's what surprised me. I was a little disappointed in Green Bay's offense and, and Aaron Rodgers and their performance. But the 49er defense... It's a very good defense, and and I expect him to have a heck of a game. You know, the hot topic now in, in L. A. is: Are there going to be more Forty Nine er fans in attendance uh, for this NFC Championship game than Ram fans in the Rams' house? And that that was the case, or at least it sounded like it was the case in that regular season finale when uh, when the Forty Nine ers came back to you know to beat the Rams from seventeen nothing to win to beat them for the sixth straight time. So that, that's kind of a fascinating uh, matchup looking forward.
2: Chris Myers is our guest Chris it is amazing the amount of wins that they've had against the Rams and you've been a part of that as a broadcaster what do you see with this rivalry with Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey and now Von Miller and Stafford and now Odell Beckham Jr. and the year Cooper Cup had is it the scheme that the 49ers put out there it seems like that pass rush for the 49ers is giving everybody fits and gives them an opportunity to win these close
0: games. Yeah, the Ram, you know, the Ram 49er rivalry goes, goes back. But, uh, yeah, I think, you know, so many times, J.T., there's match, certain matchups that give teams problems, and part of it is Kyle Shanahan is kind of the big brother to Sean McVay when you go back to their days in, in coaching when they were both on the Washington staff. And, and Shanahan, I mean, look, he dials up. A couple of years ago it was Garoppolo beating him downfield on throws. Then last year and, and much of this year was just them pounding him in the run game. I think they're in the head of of Ram players, even when some of those Ram players move on. I mean, it was Jared Goff before, now it's Matthew Stafford. But I think this Ram defense is accelerating at the right time. We saw it against the Cardinals. We saw it against Brady and the Bucks. Had a couple of lapses. I do think that Jalen Ramsey is going to have to play. Look, he's a terrific player. He's a great player he's going to have to play more consistent and he's going to have to get to the level the playoff level uh, of where Aaron Donald and Von Miller are playing at to to really complete this Ram defense. But the, the Sunday, it's going to be more about the from the Ram point of view of stopping the 49er run and and garoppolo's gotten away with a couple of bad throws somehow he gets it done but offensively too the the rams have to you know you can't you can't turn it over those four fumbles i mean at least stafford protected the football last week and i i think this is the time the rams finally put an end to the uh, the 49er control over them at least in this game for this for what's at stake uh, in the Rams' house
2: Chris Myers from the NFL on Fox. Chris, it could be debated the greatest game of all time because it was in the playoffs, a non-Super Bowl game, Buffalo in Kansas City with the 13 seconds. Being on the sideline most of your career and now being up in the booth calling games, what would you think about the final 13 seconds? Not squib kicking uh, it. Kansas City <laughs> dropping yes. in light passes to Tyreek Hill going 19 yards. No one hitting Kelsey. No one touching yes. Kelsey at the line of scrimmage. Travis Kelsey, a first ballot Hall of Famer. How that <laughs> dissolved for Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott.
0: I yeah, Leslie, I could hear the outrage in your voice. I was screaming at the team. Look, I had I had no team, but I, uh, uh, Josh Allen called some of his games. Mahomes was on the sideline for the Super Bowl, when they came back beat the 49ers. I mean, these are two outstanding. I, I didn't want that game to end which mm-hmm. is another reason I want the overtime rule changed, at least in the playoffs or postseason, where you each get a possession. I mean, it could have been like the college rules these guys. would have. They'd still be playing, I think, if if uh, mm-hmm. we, we didn't have the rule in place. But, yeah, that I, I, just the stupidity of, you know, and so often managing the clock and this, the game situation, whether it was head coach or special teams, I, I was saying the same thing. You know, the, you would have knocked even a squib kick, some kind of drop-in high kick. Three seconds would have come off that clock even if they called timeout and grabbed the football and were that aware for Kansas City. And, and those three seconds is what remained in the regular season for them to kick the field goal, and you, and you hit on it. Uh, look, JT, whatever kind of defense you're playing, and we're going against some great talent there that you just named with Kansas City, but uh, you know, how about chucking a guy at the line of scrimmage? Yeah. That takes a few seconds. Even if you're going to get a penalty, how about you know, just getting a hand on I know there's speed on on the Kansas City receivers, but the laps, the laps defense, even the touchdown before to Hill, right before the, the the before when Josh Allen had to come back. I mean, there was just some really not common sense, not using your head kind of plays on the part of of the Buffalo Bills, but terrific talent and yes, one of one of the and we saw like that Raider Charger game that ended the regular mm-hmm. season. I thought that was one of the best games I'd ever seen. This obviously with a playoff game was was right up there with that.
2: Chris Myers with the NFL on Fox. Chris, I wanted to jump in with Sean Payton with you. This is really interesting to me because there's a broadcasting opportunity for him, most likely probably at Fox, whatever he decides to do, but also the fact that he's still with New Orleans and a team would have to trade for him. So I talked to someone today pretty high up who told me this could be his first move to step aside from New Orleans and make it clear to another team to trade for him because that chapter's going to be done, but I don't know what it would take in a trade. We saw a trade between Al Davis and the Tampa Bay Bucks for John Gruden back in the day for two first-round picks that led Tampa Bay onto winning a Super Bowl. What do you think happens with Peyton next?
0: Yeah, well, he, he acts like he has, doesn't have a broadcasting deal in place, but he, he knows he's been around it. He observed us in that Super Bowl. He's been on the desk a few times in the, in the offseason when mm-hmm. his team hasn't gone forward uh i i think you hit on a good point uh even if you think back Bruce arians remember uh, retires from arizona it does some broadcasting doesn't really like it wants to get back in or at least the buccaneers they have to somehow work with the cardinals and there's some kind of compensation there because he left when he retired as a, as a member of the Cardinals. so i don't know what, what it would be for the saints but you're right, somebody could trade for him. He could he could go the John Gruden route, the old way of going to the broadcast booth, making a lot of money now, the kind of money they're paying. I mean, right, Tony Romo reported $15 million a year. So, I you mean, know, Amazon is throwing money around for the Thursday night football mm. package. Monday night football, there's a rumor that Al Michaels, who they want Thursday for Amazon, that they might want him. For, for Monday Night Football, uh, maybe with a, with a Sean Payton because they're in the Super Bowl rotation down down the road here. So there, you you can do that for a couple of years, and then yes, kind of pick and choose, or, or his value will increase as coaches or openings for coaches uh, pop up along the way, and he'll have a, a place where he can choose from where where he maybe has an established quarterback. This was a little bit of a shock to me, though. I mean, I know there were rumblings through the course of the year, uh, but I, I still for a guy in his late fifties and his passion. Uh, I'm surprised, but I think you hit on it. There's, and he said he's not retiring. There's more coaching in his future likely, and I definitely see some some broadcasting. Uh, it's a, it's a loss for the moment in the NFL, and, and a, certainly a loss for the Saints and, and Saints fans.
2: Chris Myers, the NFL on Fox. Chris, I think it's really that important because we're seeing this coaching carousel, and so many coaches now getting interviews, and younger coaches coming in, and it just doesn't seem a back. There's not a backlog of great coaches that were rumored to come out of retirement if it was Tony Dungy, Bill Cowher. So now these teams are deciding, do you want an offensive young whiz kid, play caller, do you want a defensive guy, Vic Fangio? We're seeing guys like Todd Bowles' name come out again. So it's tough. I I don't think it's as easy as saying, hey, get me that great coach. That's why I think Sean Payton's so important, Chris, as you know this and knowing that he's a slam dunk. If a team trades for him, they're going to get a future Hall of Famer who's still young
0: absolutely he look at the difference he would make if he went to dallas just next season how quickly he'd turn that around now again he, he does need a quarterback he's done a good job with filling quarterbacks through the years but he's going to need his guy i mean i was thinking of a giants type situation uh, and you hit a look is, is byron Leftwich going to go to go to jacksonville i mean who are, who are the broncos going to hire mm-hmm. it, 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 and and coaches like dan quinn Doug Peterson, at least Doug Peterson, you know, won a Super Bowl. Dan Quinn, you look at what how they Dan Quinn finished up in Atlanta, and guys deserve another chance. But my goodness, his record was was awful. They were running out of, running him out of, out of town. So look, there's a quarterback shortage at the NFL level uh, for thirty-two. There's a head coaching shortage, and how you develop guys. In fairness to some of the young guys, at JT, they I think they have to have that general manager that they work in concert with. To not only draft and have some time, or have a star quarterback. If you're if you're getting a Joe Burrow or or a Justin Herbert, you talk about the the coaching tree. You know, they were picking on you know if you shook hands with Sean McVay, you were getting the job. Well, Zach Taylor, what he's done with Cincinnati, he came from that tree. Matt Lafleur came from that tree. He's been a three straight you know, championship conference championship games, uh, you know, even the, the coach of the chargers who may have disappointed this year was briefly over there. So th- there are coaches out there. They just have to have the opportunity and they also have to have uh, the right kind of general manager to help them get the talent to, to have success.
2: Chris Myers, Chris, last one with all the baseball work you do as a broadcaster, especially studio shows. A big poppy getting into the Hall of Fame is a big topic, and the fact that Bonds and Clemens now, how exhausted they're 10 years and will be off the ballot. I mean, the steroid era's got some complications and a penalty phase that's keeping a couple of great players out of Cooperstown.
0: Yeah, and I wrestle with this. You know, I watch those players play in person. I interviewed them through the course of it. You know, you, you think back to Pete Rose. I just saw a note on this. Uh, uh, you know, the, the all-time hits leader, all-time home run leader, all-time all-time Cy Young Award winner leader. None of them are in the Hall of Fame, and they've they've all been retired in the, in that time. I'm talking about Pete Rose thrown in that list. I look. I, I they were great players before there was any alleged or proven or admitted uh, PED steroid use, whatever you want to call it. So where do you draw the line on that? Some guys are already in that, that have used that. They, the people have cashed their contracts. Their records count. Yeah. So we we have to define this some way because these are among the greatest players ever. And yes, if they bent the rules later in their career, well, that should be acknowledged or cheated to some fashion. But the, their initial talent just just cannot be denied. I, I, I'm, I'm really mystified. This it's not an easy subject, and you're right. It's mm-hmm. it's very complex. But but I think we, we have to find an approach that, that's fair, as fair as it can be, based on what we do know, what we think we know, and, and what the truth is.
2: Thank you, Chris. I'll see you out in L.A. in a couple of weeks. Look forward to seeing you.
0: Yeah, always see you. Good seeing you for the Super Bowl. All right, you have a good time. Thanks for having me on, JT. I'll see you.
2: it's Chris. Chris Myers, nice, from the NFL on Fox. Wanted to get the baseball at the end because he hosts a lot of these studio shows. And he's hosted a number of them over the years, and these were the best players that he covered and when Chris was doing his up-close interviews on ESPN, interviewing all these great baseball players, McGuire, Bonds, I believe, all the greats back in the day. And the sad part about Bonds and the steroid guys who are clumped together, not getting in after 10 years, is if this conversation, it's more sympathetic now than it's ever been. People are really more sympathetic for Bonds and especially Clemens than they were 10 years ago or 11 years ago. If we started at this level, I think in seven, eight years into their weight, they'd get in. But the 10 years came and went. They're going to need the Veterans Committee, and that could take years. It could take decades. But I'm sensing Rob Manford is feeling so much pushback from baseball fans. They don't like the new rules. They don't like the lockout. They're upset about a lot of things. That the last thing Manford wants to do when he's in a, a hotel lobby or at an airport is answer questions about Bonds and Clemens every day from fans. There are, is an army of fans that believe that the steroid guys should be in because they were the greatest players, not only of their era, but of all time. Manfred's going to have to handle that question in uncomfortable settings the rest of his life. People think these commissioner jobs are cool. They pay well. But you're always talking to looky-loos fans, people that come up to you at an airport, and, hey, what do you think of Pete Rose? Hey, how come Bonds isn't in there? As you're walking with your wife or your grandkid, and you're like, man, I don't want to even deal with this anymore. So I believe that Manfred's going to get to a point on this steroid Hall of Fame topic, and he's going to get more aggressive with it because they let Bud Selig in. And who gave Manfred the job? Bud Selig. And if Bud Selig was overseeing the entire steroid era, and he's in... It's probably a joke that more of the players aren't in. I'm all for keeping the guys out who cheated and got caught in what's obvious. But there's got to be a path towards forgiveness to let them in eventually. Do you keep them in the penalty box for 10 years, one year, 30 years? For the rest of their lives until they pass away? And that's what bothers me the most about it. I don't want to get too emotional about Pete Rose. Uh, they're going to wait until Pete Rose passes on in life. That's been the agenda because so many people in baseball want Pete Rose in. So many fans want him in that if they do it after he passes on, it will be somewhat easier for those decision-makers to do that. That's garbage. Let these people experience forgiveness and let them experience the end of their lives knowing that they're Hall of Famers. I think they deserve that. When we come back, we'll see if there's an update. Also an update, uh, Nate Hobbs, Paul Gutierrez wrote this morning. He pleaded guilty to careless driving, a lesser charge, after a DUI charge was dropped. So Hobbs, did he catch a break? Legally, absolutely. Does that change what happened? Not to a lot of people. And the new GM coming in, whoever that will be, what will be his philosophy going forward on incidents similar to this? What possessed you, then, to do what you did? You know, what would you do? I, 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 just, I, I was hurt. At that point, you know, I don't want to wear your equipment. I don't want to be affiliated with the logos. And, you know, I, I just took it off and, and got out of there. Antonio Brown, who sat down with Brian Gumble, engaging interview from Brian Gumbel's perspective, Antonio Brown is out of his mind. You can diagnose him anything you want. You have the right to do that on sports radio. You don't have to have, be a doctor. You don't have to have a medical degree, but that guy's nuts as we speak now, and he had a lot to do with blowing up that team at the end. Let me ask you this. They came back down 27-3. to You got Antonio Brown on that team in the first quarter. They're not going down big. He, he gets you getting the game. Brady loves throwing to him, loves throwing to him. He would have been an extra weapon. With a guy like Jalen Ramsey out there trying to guard Evans, it would have opened up for him. He had a lot to do with them not winning and beating the Rams. One player, that's a risk-reward. But the Buccaneers ended up getting a Super Bowl out of him. JT, back with you as we continue. Before we went away and came back, Nate Hobbs, I mentioned, he pleaded guilty to careless driving. When he, when these traffic issues happened, and he was also speeding on the 215, when you can get a potential DUI charge knocked down because you're one percentage point under the legal limit, and you can find some of these speeding issues, or whatever's happening in a car, knocked down to a lesser charge, well, you have the right to do that legally. The attorneys out here are damn good at that, Uh, especially a few of them, of knocking it all the way down and getting you off. But it was alarming, some of the decisions that were made by him. Really is alarming for a guy that I pulled for in a big way. Went to the same school as my wife, Illinois. We were excited that he came here. Excited with how much he played. And some of the plays he made. But uh, this can't happen again. Gay, did, 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 is he getting away with anything? No, he has a legal right. And his attorney's got these issues knocked down. But we're pulling for him. And he's got to turn it around quickly. He can't wait years from now to figure it out. He's got to do it quickly considering what happened to Ruggs. So that's an important topic that we're not addressing now because there's a GM hire coming up. But I want to hear what the GM says on the record, the new one, about an issue like this if it comes up again. Let's wrap it up. Appreciate your calls today. Old school Raider in Florida.
0: Hey, how's it going?
2: I'm doing good. What do you got?
0: Hey, I heard you mention that you think Aaron Rodgers should go to the Broncos, but a team that I was looking at in particular was the New Orleans Saints. Mm -hmm. I was thinking that maybe if Rodgers and maybe the offensive coordinator from the Patriots can team up in um, New Orleans, it'll be really awesome.
2: Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen now that Sean Payton just quit, walked away to go do TV or to get out of there, and they're they're the most over-the-cap team in all of football, and they have a lot of dead-cap money. They're a mess financially, so a year ago I would have said that, and I appreciate your call. I wouldn't say it there now. I think New Orleans is in a lot of trouble, and Dennis Allen probably deserves to take that job over. Dennis Allen was the former head coach of the Raiders and worked hard to try to win. He didn't win, and he was relieved. but He's done a heck of a job down in New Orleans as defensive coordinator, And he deserves to get that job. Just like many believe Rich Passagia jumped in and deserved to get the job. It's an open debate in sports. When you go next man up, who's it going to be? And the Raiders will have more interviews. It looks like coming up here, GM and head coach. When it comes to Todd Bowles, highly respected around the league. He's coming out for a reason. Either to get the job or get close to it. And give some knowledge to the Raiders about what's happening around the league as he just came off one of the best defenses we've seen when the Bucs won a world championship. Conversations are happening in Henderson. Thanks to Bobby who put the show together. Thanks to our guests, especially Chris Myers, Warren Moon, who were kind enough to join us. We'll be back tomorrow. Hopefully more news this week. We're here for you every day on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM.